Hi, and welcome to Godcast, conversations about difficult devotion and restive religion. I've been friends with Sarah Ellis for many years. We roomed together our sophomore year of college, and I was at first skeptical about her pageant past and sorority girl persona. However, I soon realized that Sarah is a quick, insightful, genuine, and intelligent friend with a go-getter approach to life. She hails from Clarksville, Tennessee, but after graduating from Belmont University Honors Program with a degree in political science and a minor in religious studies, she spent a year on the road as a consultant for her sorority, Alpha Gamma Delta. She is now working towards her master's degree in journalism with an emphasis in magazine writing at NYU. We met up in her apartment in the East Village to have a conversation about how her religious upbringing formed her earliest ideas about sex and how her ideas of women's sexuality have developed through college and her postgraduate life. So who would you consider to be your first religious teacher or the person who first formed your ideas about God? Um, I think my family, specifically my mom, has always been pretty religious. And so when I think back to my upbringing, um, I grew up in the church, um, attended with my mom and her side of the family. And so I think as far as religious teaching, she's the one who shaped that from the very beginning for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So was religion very important in your household? It was. Um, it felt like a really natural part of my childhood. Um, I think I would say faith more than religion necessarily. My mom is a big person of faith. I don't think she necessarily um, is always like pro-religion all the time, if that makes sense. But very, she's a woman of faith, and so I think that was a big part of my childhood. And we did go grow, go to church every week, and that was a big part of our community um, and community in the town that I grew up in also. So it was tied very much into spending time with my family and with my extended family was going to church and being part of a religious community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In this church or in your family, what was the first thing that you learned about sex? When did you learn about what it was, how it worked, and what was that like for you? How did people talk about sex or did they? It was separate. I remember um, my mom was the first person who told me what sex was. I think I was like in second grade and came home and asked her about it because I had heard about it at school. And so we had, my mom and I had the whole conversation. Um, It wasn't necessarily tied to religion. It was very much tied to this is something that you do when you're married and when you're grown up. And that's kind of how I learned about it. We never talked about it in my church really at all. I don't think there was any kind of education related to it. So it was something that, yeah, that I learned about through my parents, I guess. And they, they shared a little bit, but it was like, this is for when you're older. (laughs) Right, because for me, I mean, my mom took me away for a weekend, and we did something called the Passport to Purity, and (laughs) it was a whole weekend designed to teach you about sex, but we only talked about it that weekend, and it was very much something where, like, this was a time where we have to explore what sex is in this very, like, if you do it in this way, then you can stay pure, so... It's just kind of interesting. It wasn't really talked about in church for me, but it was very clearly a part of religion. Yeah, so I did the weekend trip too with my mom. (laughs) It was when I was a little bit older. I I had to be like 
11 or 12, like middle school, the age when a weekend trip to talk about sex is like your worst <laughs> nightmare. <laughs> that was when we did it. Um, yeah, and I'm trying to think where the whole purity talk came from for me because I don't feel like that was really pushed on me by my parents, but it was something that I felt like the whole idea of um, retaining your purity and keeping that something for when you're a lot older. Um, and it was very much like this is this is for when you're married. Yeah, so I think I think that did come into it. I don't think my sex education, like the curriculum or the weekend trip or whatever that we did, I don't think was like directly religiously tied, but it did kind of talk about like saving yourself and that whole kind of um, terminology was there. Yeah. I want to reflect on that time in your life during college when, um, you know, you started going to kind of a more conservative church. And I, I felt like you were exploring that way of faith. Um, how do you reflect on that time now? Yeah, that's such an interesting time for me. It goes back to what I said about how I think for a lot of people, like college is kind of breaking away from their conservative upbringing. And for me, I like explored that whole territory for a while. Um, I think there was a, there was, there were a lot of different perspectives, but there was more so than other schools. There might've been like that more conservative religious vein. Um, with some of the people in school and I really wanted, I don't know. I think I was exploring what, what it would be like to be like very religious. And I think part of me for a long time wanted that and wanted to believe all of those things that these people with all of this conviction believed. How do you identify religiously now? I don't necessarily identify. I guess it would, if I was going to put it under any label, it would be agnostic. I'm not a Christian anymore. Um, that change happened for me probably senior year of college. And I don't really know there wasn't like one moment when I just wasn't anymore. I think I just started questioning a lot of the ideals that I had grown up with and um, things that I had been taught. A lot of it related to sexuality, like we've been talking about. Um, and in talking to my brother, he's been very formative and I think how I feel about my spirituality in general. Um, but started to kind of resent a lot of things that I had been taught and ideals that I had grown up with. So I don't necessarily identify, I guess, agnostic, but just not mm -hmm. practicing religious person anymore like mm -hmm. I used to be. Yeah. yeah. It's so interesting talking about not really having a moment where you're like, I don't believe in God. And I have gone through a lot of changes and how I consider Christianity, religion, God, and it's never really a moment. And so it's so interesting talking about belief and what does it mean to believe in something or to not believe in something and you know I'm very interested in postmodernism and how it affects theology and even just the idea of identity and naming is like you are a Christian or you are not a Christian or you are a theist or you are not a theist it's difficult and I think you name that really well and um you know, especially when you grow up with a religion that creates a world of binaries and then you find yourself caught between them. It can be discombobulating. It can be scary. Yeah, well, and I love what you said about that idea of a binary because I think for me it's now, it's now something that's not like 
any kind of like anti-religion or anti or that I don't believe in God. I think it's more just like the comfort of like not or or discomfort of not knowing and like being okay in that space. Mm -hmm. And like you said, I think it's such a binary of like you are or you aren't or you believe or you don't believe. And um, that's not how spirituality works (laughs) Um, and it's not how it's ever worked for me. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I just think, I mean, maybe like furthering myself from that religious world but it's not even something that's like not in my life at all anymore it's just something I don't identify with that culture anymore I guess to name that some of the things you were taught in Christianity you've really come to resent is that as part of that sexuality and how you understood sex and how do you identify your sexuality now how do you how does sex play a role in your life right now this stuff is also hard for me to name because it all feels like such a gray area for me in a lot of ways like my perspectives on this stuff did not change because of like one event like the teaching was always like you wait until marriage to have sex and that always just was and then at some point in my life it wasn't but that for me was not like a decision that came about because of a person I feel like a lot of times um people will be in a relationship or they'll be dating someone and that's a very much a conversation and for me it was not that way it was like my mindset around it changed and shifted at some point it was like this is not what I think or what I want anymore um yeah so I think by the time like sex and sexuality became more a part of my life it was like something that I had decided on my own which is an interesting way to think about it that I feel like a lot of people don't necessarily um it doesn't happen that way um I don't know if Yeah, I just, I guess when I think about, like, growing up in the church and, like, how that taught me to view my sexuality, it just, like, taught me that that wasn't something that was supposed to be part of my life. And I think women are not, like, allowed to be sexual beings. They're not allowed to own um, their physicality and their sexuality and Mm -hmm. their bodies are something that don't really belong to them. It belongs to someone else and we save that for another person and... um, just our whole physical space. I think it really affected how I feel about myself as a physical person. Mm -hmm. And, um, I have a lot of resentment towards that because I think I had a lot of fear associated and I had a lot of fear associated with having sex as being part of this big emotional connection to someone. And, um, it binds you to people. And there was a lot of fear there for me for a long time. And I think there was a lot of hesitation about like, Oh, well, I'm not like, old enough for that or I haven't met the right person for that or whatever whatever and I think at some point I yeah and I don't know I wish I could name like when my mindset started to shift um or what it was that prompted that um it may have been just getting older but I think that I think that like my views on sexuality changing may have really played a role in like my religious views changing as well if Mm -hmm. that makes sense that was a very long-winded answer. Well, no, I think that's great. And I think what is so interesting is, so for me, a lot of my issue with Christianity 
came from a lot of different experiences. Um, my first experience of having a friend who was not Christian, but also just my first experience of having a friend who was not straight was really, really, um, it was eye-opening for me. And I think that there's such a close association. To be a Christian, I felt like I had to think it was wrong to be gay. And I didn't. And I don't. And so realizing that opened up a lot for me. Um, so for me, it started in affirming other people's sexuality as not against God or like not inherently sinful. And then from there, it transferred to thinking about, okay, so what about me and my, I've still, I identify as a straight cis woman. And so, but my sexuality is also impacted by these things. And so for me, there's such a close, like one-to-one -one ratio, like what you think about sex and sexuality is your religion. And so I personally have had to kind of like pull those things out from each other. And part of my journey in the School of Theology at Boston University has been discovering new ways to be a religious person that separates the like one-to-one -one ratio. Like what you think about sex equals whether or not you're a Christian. And so it's so interesting to me because I totally resonate with this idea of... Um, rejecting one aspect feels like you have to reject the other. Um, and that's, yeah, it's just really, I guess, important to me to be able to start to have conversations which reveal what's happening and how our religious frameworks frame our sexual frameworks. Um, did you grow up with any idea about um, queerness or homosexuality or anything like that being problematic? Not at all. That, um, yeah, that has never been something, I think, like, I'm from a religious community in the South, but not necessarily a conservative religious mm -hmm. community, and my family's very liberal, so I don't think that was ever, that has never been, like, an issue for me. Um, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So that feels really lucky. Um, but I, I, that's interesting. Like, you were saying, like, the idea of that is affirming someone else's sexuality. So then where does yours come into play? Like, is that still for you something that's like not allowed to be right. connected? Like there's a disconnect. I've never thought about it that way. Yeah. Well, and it's so interesting because I feel like in studying the New Testament and particularly Paul, his conception of the body is very different than our conception of the body. And he had such a communal idea of, this new Jesus movement that he was um, a part of making happen. And it's so interesting because I feel like my certain communities I'm in, it's like my sexuality and the decisions I make with my body, they feel like it really truly affects them. And I think that is kind of evident in some parts of like First Corinthians. and um, But I don't... So it also comes back for me about how I understand the Bible as a religious text. And I don't understand it as true um, literally. And I think of it as a very amazing document that is so informative to my life. But I've had to let go of thinking about it how I used to. And all of this for me is tied back to sexuality. I mean, sex is like actually pretty important to Paul. So it makes sense that it would be 
you know, how you think of the Bible, how you think of religion, and how you think of sex, one of those crumbles, and like all of them kind of crumble. My parents' relationship has really affected my views on marriage. They are separated, have been separated since I was um, 19, I believe. Um, and I think I had a very idealistic view of like finding the right person and getting married, kind of like we talked about earlier when I was growing up, um, and have become very cynical of marriage since. I do think I want to get married someday, but I have a very, very deep fear of that kind of lasting commitment to someone. Very, very deep. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, it feels like something that is like down the road for me, hopefully one day, but I have a lot of fear associated with it. And I, um, it's associated very much for me with like a loss of my independence, which is a scary thing. Right. So, yeah. Which has been very much impacted by how I've seen it modeled for me and like my family. Totally. Yeah. Right. Well, and I think when I decided for myself that I didn't want to prioritize getting married, that affected how I understood my relationship to sex. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's so interesting because I think my, um, yeah, I have a lot of respect for the people that I grew up with, but I never wanted any of their marriages. And so <laughs> I just feel like a lot of women um, stayed home, and I think I want to definitely affirm being a mother and raising children as, like, an essential and beautiful part of um, being a human and, you know, I, it's hard work and I just am very affirming and very grateful of women and men who decide to stay home and do that work. But it's just something that I felt like if I got married, that would be expected of me. And that's so scary. Like, <laughs> I, I am not the person who adores every kid I see. Um, so yeah, and I know you have some um, hesitancies about having children. <laughs> Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, I, um, <laughs> because I think that relates to how, like, what I think about, like, being a woman in this society as well. I don't want to have kids. I really have never felt that I wanted to. Um, so I think I do want to get married one day, but I just don't necessarily want to have a family. It just doesn't feel like a calling in life for me, um, which... Like you said, I mean, I think there's a lot tied to that, too. Like, I used to have a lot of judgment around women who I thought wanted to just, like, settle down and be moms. But I think that that is so incredibly, like, the right thing for so many people. And it's great. But I also think there's a lot of stigma the other way around, like, a woman that doesn't ever want to have a family. Um, so that's, yeah, that's interesting for me, too, because it, like, almost feels like they're... And I'm not really facing this a lot yet because I'm still really young. But, um, I mean, I think getting older, it's the whole idea of almost that there's something wrong with you if you don't want to be a mother. So, I don't know. We're going to see. But, yeah, that doesn't doesn't feel like it's in the cards for me. So, yeah. Well, and then I feel like saying something like, 
I don't want to be a mother in some ways is more affirmative of women who choose to be mothers because then it's, it's more like a choice that some women can make and less like I'm a woman, this is expected of me. And I mean, yeah, I just really think that, I mean, there's stigmas both ways. Mm -hmm. Women lose out. Like if you stay home and raise your kids, people think you're lazy. If you have a full-time job, and raise your kids, people think you're a bad mother. If you don't have kids, then you're not maternal and there's something wrong with you. So it's just like, as women, you know, our sexuality, I think, first of all, needs to be freed from this idea that it's only about being mothers and that, like, women can enjoy sex. And if that's in the context of waiting till you're married to have sex, great, but it shouldn't be this thing where it's only about the man. And... Right, and it shouldn't be this thing where where you wait until you're married and then it's all something you do for your husband. Mm-hmm. I just hate that <laughs> whole idea. Like, I hate right. it. And that, I think that's what we're teaching women in a lot of ways, and I think that's what a lot of religious communities are teaching women, mm-hmm. um, is that this is something that you wait until marriage and then, like, you know, your body belongs to him, so mm-hmm. this is, like, this is for him now, and, like, yeah, you're gonna, like, be a mother. Like, right. that is just so absurd to me. So, yeah, I mean, so sexuality for me is not connected to marriage, because I clearly have a lot of stress around it, <laughs> and also not connected to wanting to be a mother, because I don't. So, right. it is this independent thing, and, yeah, I just have so much issue with the fact that we don't teach women that it's okay to want to have sex and that it's okay to enjoy sex because that is such an important and empowering thing and has been an empowering thing in my life. Okay. And yeah, I hate that that's against what I feel like the type of teachings that I grew up with. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I'm very interested in women's bodies in how culture views them and how we're taught to understand our own body. And I guess, I think that this idea that women can't enjoy sex also, I guess it led me personally to feel like my body was not about what I thought about it. My body was about what men would think about it. And so it's been really interesting too with this whole idea of, you know, dressing modestly or dressing immodestly and like in which ways are we taking ownership of our bodies um and are there ways in which you think that maybe dressing less modestly like affirms the male gaze or do you think that like that's pretty archaic and men need to get over that or I mean how do you how does the way you dress or present yourself in your everyday life affect how you think about sex and women's bodies yeah so I think a lot of the language that I heard growing up around modesty was the whole idea of temptation and boys Mm -hmm. being tempted by the way that we look or what we wear um which also I think is so negative for men because again this goes back to what my brother used to tell me about how he had all this guilt about how he felt about women I guess I mean I'm thinking about how I dress now and how I think about it I don't think about men at all in the equation like there's zero percent part of that equation literally ever um yeah, and I think you were saying, like, do I feel like, what do I feel about the way that women dress and, like, affirming the male gaze, or right. do I think they need to, like, get over it? I mean, I think women can and should be able to wear whatever they want, and 
have ownership of what is theirs and I think the temptation language is really bad for both sexes mm-hmm. honestly like we're we're teaching women that their bodies are objects and are not theirs and are tempting to men and we're teaching men that they're not allowed to look at women sexually which women are, are I, I don't know I, I think that that is that's negative as well mm-hmm. yeah and there's a lot of damage done by our hypersexualized culture in my mind and I think that um it creates this world where especially because women are so sexualized it feels like only seen as sexual objects And so it comes back to the conversations we've been having. I mean, there's different ways, whether it's like extreme purity or women as sex object to flatten women's identities to being about sex and like the absence or the presence of it. And so, I mean, I do think that it's a tricky topic in the ways that um you know we live in a strangely sex affirming world but the way that it's affirming is really affirming of norms I feel like especially in our media um and for me this whole black and white idea of sex and sexuality has been actually really hard for me being in a relationship because I've always felt like if if you're in a relationship and you notice or you feel attracted to someone who's not that person, like, that is, like, terrible. That's, like, cheating in my mind because everything was so black and white. And But I wonder for you, I mean, do you think of attraction as something that is, like, always positive? Is there a point to where um, being sexually attracted to someone or something is, like, harmful to how you relate to that person how do you think about that? Yeah, well, and I think it's interesting that you said you feel like we live in a sex-affirmative culture because I don't necessarily feel like we do. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's very oversaturated, which may come partially from the fact that I think it it comes out in really negative ways because it's weirdly suppressed in other ways. Like, I feel like a lot of, like, the hypersexualization that comes out um, in our culture is maybe as a result of it being taboo and being suppressed in a lot of other ways. And I Mm. think that sex education is not what it should be and conversations around sex with young people are not what they should be. And so I think that it, that comes out in a lot of really negative and messed up ways. Um, So I don't even know if I would say, I would say that we, our culture is hypersexualized, but it's in a lot of really unhealthy ways based partially, I think on how we talk about sex or don't talk about sex. Um, you know, in religious communities, with kids, as adults, all of that stuff. I just think we don't really know how to how to handle it. So then it comes out in this oversaturated, kind of messed up way. sexualized culture has like made me think about people as objects but I think that that is a lot more like women are objectified in culture so I'd be interested in hearing from people you know what I mean like I'd be interested in hearing from people 
who see that in women, like, does that affect the way that they're attracted to women? Because I think right. for, like, it doesn't really change the way I relate to men. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Right. Yeah. I don't feel like I've personally, like, experienced that. Right. Well, and this, part of this comes back to, I mean, my experience is moving to Boston and living, I mean, I lived in London for a little while, and especially in urban areas, I, I'm always shocked. Like, if I notice a, a girl on the subway who's pretty, I'm like, oh, she's pretty. I look at her for two seconds, and then I'm like, go about my day. I will catch men staring at me mm-hmm. unashamedly. If I'm alone, I ignore it because it feels unsafe. And so I guess I, for me, I have this suspicion um, that that's linked to pornography and it's linked to the feeling that men are able to look at women's bodies and consume them. Um, And I don't think it's the same. I mean, I don't feel that way about um, men. Like, if I notice a cute guy, I don't feel entitled to stare at him. That's rude. I understand in some ways why religious communities are telling men that they need to be careful with their sexual urges because there's also this other culture that like affirms women as objects. It feels as a woman like men are completely accepting of like embracing the fact that they see the women around them as sexual opportunities or they're like completely repressed and feel completely guilty. Right and why does it have to be one of those two extremes? Yeah. Right. So, yeah. So it is interesting, I, um, men and women, on this issue yeah. and how our sexuality feels suppressed. But in some ways, I feel like I never really look at a guy and think of him sexually. Right. Like, yeah. I just, that's never my first thought. Right. Yeah. Which I just think has to do so much with how our culture treats sex in general. But. Yeah, I like what you said about it's like we're teaching men to extremes that I think are not, that are both very unhealthy and unnatural. Right. Yeah. And I mean, also grew up with the idea that men and women can't really be friends. Well, and I'm just thinking about what I and we grew up with the idea that women are not allowed to be sexual beings. So we're not, our first thought is not to look at men and think of them sexually because we, that's not what we do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. And then with men, it's like, well, women are going to be so tempting to you and you're going to have such a hard time. And so like, don't have that expectation. I've been thinking about this a lot and studying theology because there's a lot of various narratives about how Christianity in its beginning was actually very affirming of women. And, um, you know, there's different opinions on that. But one thing that I have been thinking about as how before birth control and contraception and before women had more control over whether or not they could get pregnant, if actually maintaining a strong um, sense of, like, virginity and telling women to not get, have sex until they're in a more stable position, if in a certain context that could be viewed as pro-woman, as protecting women from the experience of childbearing, which was at that time so dangerous, and like women didn't have control of their body and had even less control if they were impregnated by someone. And so then my question is always like how much of this um, is 
can we consider purity ideals as pro-woman in a time when they didn't have the same technology we have? And how does something like contraception change how we should think about sex and sexuality for women? Right. Well, and I think um, contraception has fundamentally changed the women's movement just in general. It's changed a woman's whole ability to be able to create an independent life for herself outside of someone who raises a family, which is so huge. And I do think, like you said, it has hugely changed women's sexuality. And maybe we as a culture are still catching up to that and figuring out um, how to handle that. Because you're right. I mean, I think having sex for women used to be so different because there was a lot more tied to it. I mean, when it is tied to starting a family, that is such a huge... um, that is a huge commitment in itself and so it makes it more of a commitment whereas now I think it's just fundamentally like with the like invention of contraception it's just made sex very different in our culture in general. <laughs>